Good afternoon, everybody. Good morning or good evening. Welcome to Homegrown and Ode to Sugar Bowl Sam. My next guest is a special guest and completes the triangle of my first three guests. If you have listened to episode one and two, you know my first episode was with Christopher Meeks, my mortgage trainer. And my second guest was with Carla Thomas, my real estate agent. And my third guest, uh, who is just as important, was my real estate attorney, Janetta Pay. Welcome, Janetta. Thank you for having me and inviting me on. I'm excited for the conversation today. Me too. So for those of you who don't know, I've written a few posts about my my background with law firms. It's interesting because Janetta Pay and I did not initially intend to work together more what happened was at the time she met me when I was working for, I was doing freelance work for CBS Chicago. For those of you who don't know my background, I worked for several newspapers, print and online. At the time I was interviewing attorneys for CBS Chicago in a higher education program. I interviewed her for CBS Chicago. I went about my day and then maybe a couple, maybe like a month or so later, she called me to work on a public relations project. And I was so flattered because you just think because I interview so many people, you think they're one and done. So I appreciated the repeat work. So I ended up doing like one, one like press release for, and then that ended up with us working off and on for a couple of years. We worked for a year on a co-writing legal blog series. And then I work with her on a bunch of pub press releases for various events. She's a mover and a shaker. And then I work with her for a foreclosure video series that she worked with a team with in 2015. So we've done a lot of work together before I even was thinking about owning a condo. And then by the time we'd worked together for a couple of years on various writing projects, it seemed only natural that I would hire her as my real estate attorney to close on my home. That was just a given. So, you know, we, we, we partnered together for a while. So again, obviously I want to welcome you to the show. I want you to give the, I want to give you the chance to talk about your background for the listeners. Well, I have been in real estate for over 10 years now, um, and I have uh, different um, experiences in real estate. So uh, before I uh, helped to start Tulsa Real Estate Fund, I I still am because I still do real estate closing. So I was a real estate closing attorney in Chicago. So I would help um, and I still do help homeowners, real estate investors and sellers purchase and sell real estate assets. And then one of my uh, clients who happens to be a real estate influencer um, saw my work. And then he asked if I would be willing to relocate to Atlanta to help him start a real estate investment fund. And so on a leap of faith, I packed up my bags, um, literally like my bags, like two suitcases and moved to Atlanta sight unseen, like never been here before, didn't know nobody here um, and moved down to help start this real estate investment fund. And so that was a two year process. It launched, um, we raised a lot of money um, for real estate investments. And then I wanted to get back to, you know, helping 
clients more on a one-on-one basis. And so I decided to return back to my own practice or focus more on that and help, you know, more people now become homeowners. Like me. All right. So, so it was interesting because I learned about, I learned about home ownership backwards. I've talked to Christopher Meeks, who was a mortgage trainer for me about how I went in trying to buy a home and I did not understand any of the language. I didn't understand what P and I meant. I didn't know about short sales and deeds and uh, it was basically like he was speaking a foreign language to me. How often do you work with first time home buyers as opposed to commercial purchases? So because the market is really like the interest rate is really low right now, I have been working with a lot of first time home buyers. Um, I would say maybe like 60% of my clientele um, from last year to this year has been first time home buyers. Okay. What do you find is the biggest difference between a first time home buyer and somebody who just flips houses? Obviously, you know, they're, they understand the market a little bit more, but what would you say to a first time home buyer working with a real estate attorney coming out? What do they need to know? First time home buyers are a little bit, I find they tend to be a little bit more nervous because obviously purchasing a home is a big investment. Um, and then you don't know the process, right? Because you've never been through it. So you don't know what to expect. And then sometimes there are hiccups along the road and we try to navigate those the best that we can but um it's educating as you're moving through the different hiccups and targets to get to the closing table and so that's one of the things i find when i work with first-time homeowners is that um they need to be educated so one of the things that i found that was interesting with you is when i started going through the process of buying my home i was so busy trying to make sure i had escrow funds and closing funds And I had been through all of these situations where one of the condos I wanted had 11 issues when it got to inspection time. And then another condo I like I didn't qualify for. And then a third condo I like didn't have enough money in the reserves. So it was so catastrophic to me trying to be able to finally find a place that I liked enough to want to put six figures down on it. But one thing that I thought was interesting with you was, well, I mean, first of all, you're used to that all the time. One thing you kept telling me over and over again was read your condo bylaws. And I heard you say it and it went in one ear and out the other. And then you brought it up again. And then you brought it up maybe a third or fourth time. And I just kept thinking, why is she so adamant about these bylaws? What is the big deal? Yeah, there are some rules. Okay, rules and regulations. I didn't understand the difference between rules and regulations or bylaws why did you why were you so persistent about me reading these bylaws because i wanted you to make sure that this was the right home for you and you needed to have all the information to do that and reading the bylaws was part of having all the information to make sure that this was the right home for you but had you had some nightmare situations before with people not reading the bylaws or? Only like for like maybe like one of my real estate investor clients um, early on when I first started uh, doing closing, she didn't read the bylaws. Like it was given to her, but she didn't um, take the time to read them. 
And then when she purchased the property um, and she got it all ready and fixed up, looked really nice to Airbnb it, um, she realized that she wasn't able to Airbnb it because of the bylaws. And then from that point forward, I was like, okay, we're, you know, clients say that they read stuff or that they're going to get to it, but I'm going to definitely make sure if it's a townhome, if it's a condo, you're definitely going to make sure that the clients actually read it and we have a conversation about it um, so they understand what they're buying into. I can definitely co-sign that because we would not allow airbnb in our units and that's interesting because i went from being anti-home ownership to becoming the condo association president and then the condo association treasurer so i ended up reading first of all bylaws are boring they're long they're detailed and in my case this was on 1980s typewritten font so it was just hard to read anyway i ended up getting them converted to word doc so i could actually read them because you don't realize at the time but if you ever have to work with real estate firms and uh, attorneys, they you have to pay them for the time it takes for them to read through those long drawn out bylaws too. And the longer it takes them and the longer it takes you, you're paying for all of that time. But what was interesting was I found out a bunch of information that I definitely needed to know before I bought the property. But what was interesting to me was I was in a condo condominium with a bunch of unit owners who had never read the bylaws. So when we had elections, they didn't understand the election process. When we wanted to work on some repairs, there were issues there. When there were things about like violations in the building, about not going on the grass, not having like yard sales and picnics and all of that and then like leaving furniture in the laundry room all of that is very much spelled out in our bylaws and it took me actually telling people go to page such and such and read this for them to realize like i'm not making this up these are things that are signed up with the city of chicago even pet rules those are things that are set up through the city of wherever you are in my case it was the city of chicago but you need to make sure that legally you're following the bylaws because if it turns out that this isn't something that you feel is for you make sure you get out before you close because once you close that's it you're just kind of stuck with whatever those rules are yeah you're stuck with whatever those rules are and it can be a financial hardship for you if you know you're not prepared for that so rather than get into a situation that causes you a financial hardship or distress um, really read all of the paperwork and be informed what's interesting is uh, during i mean like we've dealt with a year we never expected to deal with with the coronavirus outbreak starting from december 2019 and onward and situations with foreclosures where people are losing their jobs and trying to scramble to pay their own mortgage and pay their own assessments or whatever they're dealing with and you had a program where you worked on a foreclosure video series in 2015 and that was the first time i ever heard about deeds and lieu and short sales and loan modifications and things like that what has been your experience from December 2019 and onward dealing with clients with foreclosures? Yeah, so surprisingly, um, I haven't really had to do a lot of short sale negotiations since the pandemic outbreak. Um, a lot of people are actively buying homes uh, because of the interest 
Because the interest... And people are... Yeah, and people are refinancing their homes to take advantage of the lower interest rate. Uh, so that way, you know, they can reduce their, their mortgage that way. But I haven't seen a whole lot of foreclosures or a whole lot of short sales because, you know, people are unemployed due to the, the pandemic and they need, um, you know, to uh, kind of reduce their that their financial obligations on that front. So, you know, I, I think it may be coming, but then there were also like laws that were put in place where banks couldn't foreclose for a little bit. Right. Um, if you were renting, landlords couldn't evict you. Um, and that's the same thing. So if, you you know, a bank got possession of your house in a foreclosure, then they couldn't evict you either because of the um, laws that were put in place towards that. So, yeah, I really haven't seen that many foreclosure actions. It's interesting because I do know that, well, just on a condo board dealing with certain situations where sheriffs just completely froze. Our mayor said no eviction. So then the sheriff wouldn't come out to serve eviction notices. But it's interesting because it, like in the city of Chicago, the sheriff wouldn't serve eviction notices. But then suburban areas around Illinois, they would. And there are certain areas, I'm not going to say like the other 49 states are operating like Illinois. But it's interesting how each state decide to follow its own set of rules for an outbreak that was basically affecting all of us. But I, what I found more interesting is what you said before regarding people putting their homes up for sale and the interest rate being low. Because when I talked to Carla, who is the mortgage broker that I spoke to in episode two, she said what was interesting is People are scooping up homes, whatever your original rate is. There used to be a time when it was like crazy competition and you had to lower your rate to be able to sell. And now people are just, whatever your price is, they're, they're grabbing it. But what's happening is first time homeowners who are trying to put down the lowest escrow they can are finding that they're getting eaten up by homeowners who... Well, I mean, or, or maybe past homeowners or those who are more savvy in the market are, they become, I don't want to say like the, the last choice, but usually when you're a first time homeowner, you don't necessarily, you know, you may not be rolling in dough the way someone else was who flipped homes. Are you finding that first time homeowners are having more of a challenge in 2021 versus other groups? Yeah, I mean, the, it is a seller's market right now. And so, you know, sellers are able to get their listing price for the most part um, accepted on the contract. Now, whether that accepted offer actually closes is a whole other thing that I've seen um, recently, mm -hmm. um, I would say since the pandemic hit. But yes, it is a seller's market. So if you're not bringing your best and strongest offer to the table, and especially when the sellers are getting multiple offers, they're definitely going to go with somebody else. So you might have to like go shopping again and look for a new home because you didn't put your best offer forward. Uh, but in terms of why the deals are closing is these homes also have to appraise, right? So the lenders, just because you put an offer on the table, they want to make sure that the home appraises for the value of that offer and that you're not overpaying for the home. So I've seen a lot of deals collapse um, when we're close to getting to the closing table because the appraisal came back, 
significantly lower than what the purchase price was. And the seller didn't want to reduce the purchase price to meet the appraised value. So, and I, I mean, I definitely wanted you to be part of the pro the process for me to buy my home. But for a first time home buyer who might just, again, you get into the point where you're just like drowning information. Why do you feel it's so important that they have an attorney by their side? Because you might think, okay, there uh, somebody's putting up their home for this price. I have the money for this price. I have the real estate agent who can work out the negotiations. Why do I need a real estate attorney in the process to be able to close? Is that mandatory every time? And if it's not, why do you need one? So interestingly, there are some states that are like what we call non-attorney states, which don't need an attorney to close on a property. Illinois happens to be an attorney state where you do need a real estate attorney to help you close. I think it is good that Illinois happens to be an attorney state because it's legal documents, it's contracts. And if you're a first-time homeowner and you've never bought real estate in your life and there's so many things that are coming at you and so many details that you're not familiar with. So how do you expect yourself to navigate, okay, I got this leap, this mortgage, uh, this loan agreement, um, and I don't really understand like the terms of what it's saying and this promissory note. Yeah, I know I'm borrowing the money, to uh, buy this property, but I still don't understand like overall like what that means. Or yeah, I got these bylaws that are 100 pages, but I still don't understand like what that means for me in simple terms or in plain English. Or I got this purchase agreement, and um, you know I didn't know I was buying the property as is. And if I had known that, then I wouldn't have moved forward with this transaction because like the repairs that need to be done on the property are way more than I expected to pay or wanted to pay um, for an as-is property. So working with a real estate attorney, we've seen all types of transactions. Uh, we can educate you and we can help you to avoid or navigate the pitfalls as you move through the real estate transaction. Consistently, I, I went straight from journalism to working with multiple law firms. So I didn't get the law degree, but I have been working with law firms for, I don't know, I think uh, I'm going to go about a decade now off and on with various law firms. But I think you specifically spoiled me in a way that I got so much education about the homeownership industry that I probably would have never gotten just working on a press release here and here or talking about auto accidents or divorce or things like that. Working with you gave me a, it gave me a basically a homeowner's one-on-one course in learning about the real estate industry, but you're also very hands-on. Let's say I hadn't worked with you. You are very hands-on as an attorney. And I cannot say that always happens because I've worked with other law firms, both as a client and for freelancing work. And some are very much, hey, I'm going to do this job here and I'll send you a bill later. 
And that can be overwhelming when you don't really know what your attorney is doing on the back end and then you get this crazy bill afterwards. What would you say to first time homeowners or even condo associations or property managers? What is it that they need to, what do they need to say to the attorney they work with to make sure that they have a peaceful relationship where they're on the same page to avoid the situation where the attorney is doing whatever they want and you get a bill later? Yeah, so I would say, you know, selecting an attorney, again, like picking a home, it's all like dating and you're trying to court different options to find the best possible candidate, the best possible suitor, the best possible partner for you long term, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's the same thing with picking an attorney to whether it's represent you in a real estate closing, whether it is to represent you long term on phone for your condo association, or even as like a property manager, um, when you have to do evictions for Mm -hmm. your clients, you have to like interview and know yourself, right? So if you need an attorney that's like more of a communicator, then you should ask those questions as you're interviewing attorneys to help you in your transaction. Like what's your communication style? And if you feel their communication style doesn't mesh with you, because some attorneys like, hey, you tell them what the task is or they'll explain to you what's needed and you pay the deposit, the retainer, they do the work, you get your bill, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Other people need to be, um, they want somebody to be more vocal in the process. They want to know what is going on. And if that's your communication style, then you want to make sure that that attorney um, can embrace that communication style. Now, I have clients that swing both ways, and so I try to communicate with clients where their communication style lies. But I do like to try my best to be as hands-on as possible and just to make sure that people feel like they're getting the best representation um, throughout the real estate transaction. Because like I said, I understand that purchasing a home, selling a home is is a big deal. And, you know, there are things that are to come up that you might not necessarily know or might not necessarily feel comfortable about. And as an attorney, I feel my job is to, to make you feel comfortable about this purchase. And that's by communicating with you. But I would definitely say whether it's a real estate attorney, a business attorney, a wills and trust attorney, always interview the attorney that you're looking to hire to make sure your personality, their personality, your communication style, um, that they all mesh so it can be a harmonious working relationship. I can definitely say, and again, by me working with you, I mean, I work with you on a freelancing side, so I kind of cheated because I had already worked with you in a different capacity for a couple of years before we were clients of business relationship. But I can say you're definitely more hands-on than some other firms that I've worked with just on the client end. I've worked with some that just like do things on the back and give you the bill. But by me working with you, doing the legal blocks, if they do something and I don't understand, I go straight to their blog and go, wait a minute, why was I charged this rate when your block says you're going to do this, 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 and this? I'm sure I'm a pain in the ass, but I'm going to be because I want to know what's going on. That's probably where... And as you said, as you said. <laughs> 
But I mean, I think part of that is just being a journalist and working with those two challenge everything anyway. Those are two industries that challenge everything. Journalists and attorneys, I think those are probably two of the most argumentative groups of anybody. But I do want my last question for you is you touched on it briefly in your last question regarding uh, what estates and things like that. I have worked with a, an unfortunate amount of people who have not created a will, a living will or any kind of estate. And then they pass away and then the family is scrambling to figure out what to do with this property, what to do with this apartment or this condominium. And they have no idea. I've, I've dealt with owners who couldn't even find the key to the screen door. Owners have just not spelled out what to do in the case of an emergency. And it's not like people plan. Well, I mean, it should be that they plan their death, but it's not like the average person plans their death down to the, this is where my keys are. These are my passwords. This is my bill. When do you think people need to start working with, let's just say they aren't trying to sell a property. Let's say they aren't trying to flip houses and don't need an attorney for the obvious reasons. When do you think that people need to start working with real estate attorneys to prepare for situations, emergencies like that? Yeah, this is funny because I did a real estate workshop about two weeks ago and I got this exact same question from the audience. When should I start working with an attorney in a real estate transaction? And I say, when you're thinking about it, even before you put an offer on a property, even before you get an accepted contract on um, a property you're looking to sell, you should have a conversation with a real estate attorney because there can be things that come up in that conversation with the real estate attorney that might have One of the most startling moments to me was um, a relative's sister passed away. And this is uh, what happened was the sister didn't have kids and wasn't married. Normally, if you're married or you have kids, you just assume like, okay, these people get this by default. But by her not having either, then the whole family was just trying to put their name on everything. What happened was she had a brain aneurysm completely out of nowhere. Nobody knew anything was going wrong with her. She didn't. And she just died suddenly. So in those cases, you can't even really prepare for it. It happened so quickly that you just don't know what happened. That is one of the reasons why that story kind of sat with me. And this is a few years ago when I first heard the story at the time, not married, no kids. And I'm thinking, wait a minute well i should do this too i, I want to get ahead of it yeah you should and you should and everybody should nobody wants to think about their mortality right you definitely all want to 
that we're going to be on this planet forever. But the truth of the matter is, we know that that's not the reality. And like I said, when you know or when you think. And so sometimes you have to level with yourself and embrace the hard truth mm -hmm. that, okay, I have these assets because that's what um, a state of trust is. I have these assets and someday I'm not going to be here. How do I want these assets that I have, whether it be a house, whether it be a car, whether it be money that I have in my bank account, how do I want these assets to be disposed of when I'm not here? And the sooner you can get a will together um, that stimulates how you want or create a trust that stimulates how you want your assets to be disposed of, the better. Because it's, it's inevitable. It's right. something we all know that's going to happen. So the sooner you can do it, uh, the better. And you can always modify it as you go through different spaces in life. So if you're creating one right now where you're um, single and not married, then when you do get married and have kids, you can always update and amend your will to reflect where your life is currently. Oh, and I, I actually had a situation where a, a co-worker of mine, at the time his father had, he, he created a will, but this was before he got married. So he left everything to his sister, him and his sister were the best of friends. He left everything with his sister and then he got married. He'd been married for several years. He never went back to update that will. So when he, pa unfortunately, when he passed away, guess where all this stuff went to his sister, even though he had two kids and a wife, everything was signed over to his sister. And that created such a problem. But for obvious reasons between the wife and his two kids with his sister, but there was really not a lot they could say. He was responsible for going back to update that will to reflect his wife and kids. And he just never did it. We don't know what reason. I have no idea why he didn't. I don't know if there was like a issue with the marriage or whatever, but that's a situation where even if you have it planned, maybe revisit it every couple of years to make sure you still get along with the same people that you left stuff to before and still want them to have those things. to do because I, I wrote a will twice and i had fallen out with one person i left some stuff to we fell out and then i just went oh okay that's off the table but when i tried to go back and update my will and at the time and i'm not sure what the rules are now but at the time you had to have two witnesses and i ended up going yes, to a but i ended up going to a bank and the bank wouldn't do it because and they said that they no longer did it because they didn't want to something happened where they didn't want to be caught up between uh whatever you wrote on a document you had to go to somebody else and i ended up going to a third party and then i remember i got to one particular company that did notar notarizations and 
uh, and, and the guy was like, well, wait a minute. Why are you doing this? You're so young. Why do you need this? And at the time, I just wanted to say, this is none of your business. You don't need to know why I'm doing this. I just need you to be a notary. And he really wanted me to explain why I was getting this done. And I thought, this is so invasive. Like, what if I had some terminal illness that you just couldn't physically see? I don't want to tell this random stranger what's going on. I'm in perfect health. At least I think I am. But I mean, I, I've never had any major illnesses, but I just felt like it was an important thing to get done. But I ended up leaving him because I was so uncomfortable because he was challenging me the whole time. Like I was trying to be a scam artist. And then I ended up having to go to a suburb. I ended up going to Skokie to a, a suburb who still did, who still was a notary. And they were willing to get two witnesses to sign off on the updated will I created. But it was so exhausting to do it. I can easily see why somebody who wanted to create a will so you'd know where to leave your home and profits and investments I've made, I could easily see them saying, forget it. It's not worth all of this. This is like, this is exhausting. Well, that's why you should work with an attorney because they would have told you you needed two witnesses and then they usually are notaries. So all you had to do was just bring the two people who are going to be your witnesses and then somebody at the law firm can notarize. I should have done it that way. I didn't want to go dragging these people out. All right. Well, I mean, again, that's another reason why you need to work with an attorney instead of trying to do it on your own. I managed to do it on my own, but I also had all of this training behind me, courtesy of you and a few other law firms who keep hiring me. So, I mean, I kind of cheated. <laughs> anyway, I want to thank you for... Okay, in closing... Oh, in, in close, I just want to say it's definitely a good time if you're not homeowner because I know the podcast is called Homegrown and it's to encourage first time homebuyers to uh, buy property. So, if you're not a homeowner and you're looking to buy, now is the perfect time to do it. The interest rates are low, mm -hmm. there are a lot of government and uh, states grants and assistance programs that can help you cover the down payment because they are encouraging or wanting to encourage people to become homeowners so definitely take advantage of all of the favorable elements of the marketplace right now uh if you're thinking about becoming a homeowner because things are going to change eventually they're going to shift right um, right now while they're trying to make it as easy as possible for people to become homeowners with these low interest rates, these government assisted programs from the home ownership, de definitely take advantage. And I've seen a lot of clients now too who are first time homeowners that are also becoming landlords at the same time because they're buying duplexes and multi unit homes. Mm -hmm. um, so, and that's another way to help decrease the amount that you have to pay for your monthly mortgage if you have like a tenant in there that's helping to cover half the mortgage expense or maybe even all of the mortgage expense depending on how much you're charging them in rent. So that's just the one thing I would say in closing is definitely take advantage of this current marketplace. If you're on the fence about it, get off the fence, go talk to a real estate attorney, go talk to a mortgage broker and really consider your options.
I do have a question to play devil's advocate on that because we had these kind of opportunities before the 2008 crash where there was all these deals on the table, great deals, low, low interest rates, and you thought you were going to have a home forever. And then the market crashed and then it was a disaster. What's the difference between that and now? What about those people who are still dealing with, uh, I don't know, I guess I, the real estate version of PTSD and don't want to take that chance again, especially with people uh, losing their jobs and just now getting them back after COVID-19. What's the difference between then and now? Because back then, yes, it was a regulated field, but we've learned from the market crash. Mm -hmm. And so things that were flying or taking place before the market crash, it's more regulated now. And so, to prevent against another market crash. Yes, everything happens in circles and in cycles. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's possible the market could crash again, but not the way that we saw it back in 08 because the federal government has really imposed rules and regulations on mortgage brokers. So that stuff, you know, it's less likely for the things that led to the market crash to happen now. For example, the example I gave about making sure that, you know, people aren't overinflating their home values. And that's why the bank now sends its own independent appraiser out to really evaluate the property of the home to make sure that it matches what this potential person might pay for it so they're not upside down in a mortgage um, having paid too much for a house. But really, it wasn't worth that in the first place. Right. Okay. All right, fair enough. You guys get out there. You already know. I mean, there's a bias right here. The name of the blog is Homegrown. So I'm clearly wanting you guys to just be look into home ownership because in the meantime, I mean, it's nothing wrong with you having an apartment. I've had a couple of apartments that I adored, but the only thing you're doing right now is making your landlord rich. And I don't want to make landlords my enemies. But it's always nice, especially around tax time, to realize that you are doing something that invests in yourself. Before we close out, Jeanette, I wanted you to give everybody a- You can still have your apartment. You can still have your apartment and buy something. But if you don't want to be, uh, like you can still own a home, but you don't have to live in it. It could be an investment property and you can still live where you currently live. True. All right, then, uh, Janetta, before we close out, I want to give you the opportunity to tell people how to contact you, uh, what what they can work with you on, and how to reach you. Yeah, so I, like I said, I uh, do a lot of clothing, represent a lot of clients in Chicago, or I can say Illinois, but um, mainly Chicago real estate market. So if you're looking to buy, sell, and invest in the Chicago real estate market, you can visit me at my website, which is jpay.com. So J-P-A-Y-E.com. And I have um, a scheduling link where you can book a free 15-minute legal chat. So if you don't want to make the investment of talking to you, or if you're afraid or if you're on the fence, it's a good way for you to get your questions answered in 15 minutes about the real estate process and get some answers that you need to make an informed decision. All right, with that said again, the website for her is J, P Paul, A, Y as in young, E as in elephant.com. And I wanna thank you so, did you wanna give your social media? 
Oh yeah, um, all my social media, um, Facebook, well not Facebook, but Instagram, Twitter, is uh, J-P-A-Y-E-E-S-Q. So at J-P-A-Y-E-E-S-Q. All right. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope that I, you get some new clients out of here. Again, thank you for the listeners to listen to Homegrown. You can visit the blog at medium.com slash homegrown. And again, you can visit Janetta Pay at jpay.com. Thanks for joining me. Thank you so much. Appreciate it.